Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we talk about how complicated healthcare is. I liken it to a 30,000 piece puzzle because it's not a hundred piece or 500 or a thousand, it's just so complicated. And we all kind of hold a piece of it. And so I like to bring on guests who can share their expertise and help me understand as well as our listeners a little bit, you know, to make more sense of the big picture. So I would like to invite, we have three guests today. I'd like you all to introduce yourself. I'm going to start with you, Alexis. Please take a moment. I'd love to get to know about your piece of the healthcare puzzle. My name is Alexis, and I'm a principal with Ipsos Healthcare Advisory. And my areas of focus, the world in which I live and kind of breathe on a day-to-day basis is patient engagement, digital health, and all things tech equity. Wonderful. Hi. So my name is Ricky Choi. I'm a pediatrician. I've been in practice for 15 years. I'm an assistant clinical professor at Stanford. And I also work in industry and technology. And my technology role is usually for adults. But I think that now wearing multiple hats as someone who's interested in the health of children, especially underserved communities, as well as having a foot on the door on the health technology side, seeing a lot of opportunities to think about how do we improve the lives of children and families through technology. And I'm Jana Guinan, the Executive Director of the Health Foundation. And my role in the foundation is really to carry the mission of health, which was originally when the event was created was to transform the next decade of health. So how do we do that? And a big piece of that is figuring out how to not leave anyone behind who has for many Many populations have been left behind. So I'm thinking about health equity for patients as well as for innovators, particularly founders and the healthcare workforce. So that's what brought us to the tech equity conversation. Well, thank you all for joining me today. Can we open-ended question? What is tech equity? Actually, defining tech equity is something that our coalition began with over a year ago now. And just very top line, we would say that Techquity is the deliberate design, development, and distribution of health technology in order to avoid exacerbating you know, existing disparities and inequities, and also to build in consideration for progressing on health equity. So Techquity is all of that. 
And it, that means a lot when you start thinking about how that gets done. <laughs> yeah, and I would add to that just to say at the highest level, so Techquity, what does it mean? It's health equity, it's healthcare technology, it's sort of the bridging of the two, Techquity, right? And I think for me, when I think about Techquity, it's around this idea that the healthcare industry is bringing more and more tech solutions to patients. And the intention is that the healthcare tech is going to make patients' lives easier, right? It's going to connect them to the healthcare system. It's going to be more efficient. It's going to be more effective. However, when I think about Techquity, it's sort of this acknowledgement that in many instances, healthcare technology either serves as a barrier between people and the healthcare system. People, you know, we're putting out more and more health tech saying, oh yeah, that'll connect folks to the healthcare industry. But if people don't have a phone, if they don't know what that app is, if they don't know how to use the app, tech, yeah, it essentially becomes that barrier. So Techquity for me, how are we thinking about equity in the design, development, deployment of health tech? And how are we making sure that health tech benefits everyone? And what about Ricky for you? The way I think about it is first, we know that there are populations in the United States, around the world, but we're focusing on the United States today, where some communities are disproportionately more likely to have an illness, to have chronic illnesses, to have shorter life expectancy, to have um, higher maternal mortality, higher infant mortality. And there are, I think there are many reasons why that's the case, social determinants of health, um, structural inequalities, and et cetera, as well as genetics and all these other factors. So we, at baseline, health is unequal or there's lack of equity, I guess, in the distribution of some of those, the incidence, prevalence, and uh, incidence of disease. We know the healthcare system inherently has is unfair. There are some populations that are served better than others, that there are um, biases that that clinicians and the healthcare system may or may not be aware of that is part of the way that care is delivered. And now we have this, we're in this interesting place where now technology is part of, in a very complex way, part of the lives, many of our lives. And it creates this incredible opportunity to leverage all the amazing things that we know technology can do, connect people, it's scalable. At the same time, it also has, creates an opportunity to, to exacerbate a lot of those issues. So I think when I think about techquity, I think about it as this new reality where technology is a part of our lives in a way it never was before, that if guided the right way, can help us close these equity gaps um, for these different communities and different individuals. But if we don't do it right, and we don't do it thoughtfully, it would exacerbate those inequalities that we have in the community, in the populations, in the healthcare system and beyond. And the risk of that is if we're not thoughtful in how we create technology, it could end up being a reflection of the inequities that we have in our day-to-day. Is that the case that we're making? Yes? Absolutely. I think, you know, if you think about kind of social media and this ability to share these amazing experiences with people and share all the things that you've learned, imagine those communities have these rare diseases to find other people that they can share these thoughts, wonderful, positive, pro-health things. At the same time, that scalability can be used in a very different way with very negative consequences, misinformation, and et cetera. So that magnifying glass, that scalability that is brought with technology can go both directions. And I feel that there's a certain responsibility on the part of industry as well as uh, healthcare providers and others to try to think about how do we do this in a thoughtful way? Absolutely. We certainly don't want to make a big problem bigger. 
So you all are working on, as I understand it, a national equity research initiative. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Can you tell me about it? <laughs> yes. We have brought together a coalition of industry sponsors and partners that we feel actually is right, fairly representative of the industry, still growing, and big goals for this coalition. But we are working on, beyond just defining equity, doing something about it, which means for us initially benchmarking where the industry is, how are we really responding? How are various healthcare organizations thinking about health equity when it comes to technology? the way that they design it, the people that are involved, is there representation in that innovation process? Um, how are they thinking about distribution and access? How are they thinking about the end users, right? So are they thinking about patient populations for whom English is not their first language? Are they thinking about patient populations for whom health literacy is a challenge? Right, All of those things, and it goes on and on, and then you can get into thinking about technology from all, all different perspectives, you know, from apps to algorithms to chatbots to, you know, I mean, anything. So anyway, the risk of inaction on this, when you think about the way that technology is fully embedded into healthcare, that's not going away. So the risk of inaction on this is why we have created this coalition and why we're setting out to understand where we are benchmarking it this year, looking at it again this, uh, next year, but also our, our ultimate goal really is to think about best practices and potentially rolling out a whole accreditation process. If we can get there, we want the industry to adopt this to become almost like, I don't know, think of an NCQA, right? That's my ultimate goal. And I think we are, we've had these conversations already, even so early on, because I think it's, it's necessary. So how many organizations are involved in the coalition now? Right now it's about 15, but we'll be growing to 30 from now until next year. And do you already have those other organizations identified? Are they self-identified? How does somebody get involved? Right, yeah. So I, we've been reaching out to organizations, thinking about the diversity that we need in this group to be representative ourselves. So we've been doing some of that outreach to sponsors, potential sponsors, to partners. And, of, you know, of course, others are think, interested in now getting involved. So, yeah, I've had a few conversations this week. So I think we'll be growing and absolutely people can get in touch with any one of us. Uh, to talk about how to get involved. How far have you guys gotten with the 15? I mean, what else have you got? What, what has been the process so far? And can you share what those conversations have resulted in? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, it's a really, really exciting journey we've been on probably for the last year or so. So where were we this time last year? We were talking to folks across industry, all these healthcare leaders, and we were saying, do you know what Techwity is? What do you think about it? How are you approaching it? How much of an urgent issue is this topic, right? We heard across the board, this is huge. This is top of mind. We, we need to be doing something in this space. At the same time, we heard a lot of people say, but I don't know how to activate. I don't know what first steps to take. And so it's been a really, you know, learning curve since then, learned a ton. So put out a white paper a few months ago, earlier this year, where we talked about what equity is. We defined it. We've got some pillars or building blocks for ways to kind of break down this really complex, nuanced topic into bite-sized pieces, right? But our most recent work, which um, I'm excited about, is this coalition. Had, we've got those 15 or so folks, uh, and Ricky here is wonderful, so he'll be able to talk to that a little bit more from his perspective. But... Yeah, we had one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. I think the goal is still to really be learning as much as we can. I think the focus is what steps are organizations
organizations taking today to try to address tech equity? What measurements do they have in place? You know, how are they integrating tech equity into their strategy, their operations? So all that to say, we've had one-on-one conversations. We had a coalition meeting yesterday, our first kind of in-person kickoff, landing on our vision, our mission, uh, looking at the way this, that we're going to structure that benchmarking survey. And then I would say we did a you know current state of the industry for tech equity in 2022, and that was kind of a focus for yesterday. So all around action, all around measurement, those tangible steps we can take together. But yeah, Ricky, I don't know if you'd add to that. No, it's been a really exciting process. And again, kind of carefully and thoughtfully kind of put together, seeking to bring in ideas and insights from kind of a broad coalition of people. There's a little bit of, look, we all kind of know this is important. How do we then help the rest of the industry? How do we make it make sense for business? How do we make it make sense for product development so that we can think broadly about the, the range of communities that can benefit from the many of the technologies that we're seeing here today um, at the health conference? You mentioned some pillars I would like to know what those are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, here's the ways that I kind of think of tech, equity, those building blocks, breaking it down. So first thing is, so it's all around, as we mentioned, design, deployment, even the conception of healthcare technology, right? The ideation before we even go into development. But anywho, pillars for us are really around trust, access, initial use or kind of uptake, and then long-term sustained engagement with health tech, right? So the way I usually explain it is that that access piece. Can someone get the phone in their hands? Can they get the app? Are they able to afford it? First step is, can they get it in their hands, right? Second step, that initial kind of use piece is someone might be able to have the phone, they might be able to have the app, but if they open up the app and it's not in their native language, if it doesn't have the right accommodations in terms of visibility, for example, yeah, technically they had it, but they couldn't use it. So it didn't help them, didn't connect them to the healthcare industry, didn't help them achieve that better health outcome, right? And then that third piece is sustained engagement. And I think this is a huge area of opportunity across the healthcare industry. So let's say someone had the phone, they had the app, they technically can use the app, right? They know how to function it, right? If it is a burden in their life, if they don't trust it, if it's not really benefiting them in any real way that they can see, they're not going to use that health tech in the long term. And so when we break down those pillars and we think about it from a tech perspective, it's looking at the ways in which we are designing tech to be interoperable, to be functional, to be user-friendly, to be personalized. And it's also that broader step, that trust piece. How do, how do we build or rebuild that trust between people and the healthcare you know, system where people feel and know that that health tech was designed to meet their needs and they're willing to kind of experiment, you know. I think one, one of the things that makes me really excited about this initiative is that, you know, when we think about health technology, it's about getting more accurate data. It's about convenience, doing things from home. It's about addressing a range of health needs. You know, we think about telehealth, we think about cardiac patches, we think, you know, all those sort of things. We also know that, you know, marginalized communities, minority communities, immigrant communities, those are the people who are least likely to have the transportation to get to the doctor, you know, make multiple visits, people living in rural communities who are more likely to be sick. And so as we think about, you know, these principles, it's about really getting some of these technologies to the communities who need it the most. And I think uh, there's that delta, the opportunity to really deliver significant changes is very exciting. Well, the applications of this idea are broad and far-reaching. I had a hallway conversation yesterday, the day before, and it had to do with the diagnosis of Lyme disease. And apparently the diagnosis of Lyme disease on people with darker skin is much harder, if not like impossible, because of the way that it, the, it presents. And so 
I don't know, like I'm just like, there are just so many ways that people are not either getting the care or access or that they need or even able to trust technology that is out there that is working for some populations, but not for others. Yeah, exactly. About a year ago, maybe, there was a big change in nephrology because there, the discovery was made that the algorithm used to decide your kind of risk level and your need level for kidney transplant was broken. And it was biased against Black people. So that if you were Black, you were less likely to be recommended for a new kidney. And when you actually needed it more, it was a huge thing. It was published and obviously now, you know, the industry is adopting different different approach to the algorithm. But there are things like this across healthcare. So pretty much every algorithm should be revisited. And how did, that's that's a huge thing in the background that we haven't even really talked about. But Techquity does have a lot of tentacles. So we have to, but we have to start somewhere. And that's, I think that's my attitude about it is I think the will is there right now. We've got a, a really committed group of partners here that want to make change. So we're just starting. I love that you're starting to create or at least setting the foundation to create benchmarks from which to improve. And understanding that bias can get built into it. How do you measure or what set of questions would an organization need to ask themselves if they are actually ready to go to market and if it passes the equity test? Well, the first thing is they have to ask those questions well before they have a go-to-market plan. Right. <laughs> right. So you need to have a it goes all the way back to how do organizations hire? Are they really thinking about representation in their workforce? Are they thinking about representation again, you know, in in the groups that they go to when they're doing user testing, when they're thinking conceptually? We had this conversation yesterday in our committee meeting that it goes to ideation to what, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Is that a problem that needs to be solved? Gee, let's ask the people who are going to use it, who are most in need of this solution. Yeah, absolutely. I was just, I was thinking as you were saying that, Jen, I think the, the big kind of theme for me is we're also eager to act in terms of equity, to get out there, to have the partnerships, to have the checklist for the technologies, you know, see if it's user-friendly, see if it's got those right accommodations, as I mentioned. But I think the big theme that we've been hearing in a lot of our discussions at least is it does start internally and you can't be acting externally and, and think that it's going to solve this this issue for tech right it's really who's at that who's at the table from a leadership perspective how equitable and diverse is that internal operations of you know how you know because i think that's where the ideation piece comes in that uh jenny were talking about you have to know who you're serving and then your internal team the people who are coming up with those solutions need to be able to understand yeah who who, who those people are what their needs are what their experiences are and if you don't have those pieces up front you can't kind of add it in as an afterthought a checklist you know well one of the things that's coming up for me is like a question that sounds that needs to be asked is like who is not at the table who mm-hmm. is missing and it's great to be you know, collecting opinions and information from everybody who is actually here, but who's not here? Yeah, well, Ricky can speak to children and how the, all the many ways that children are left out. There are huge inequities in our healthcare system, so I'm, I'm turning it over to you. Sure. So I think that after that first white paper, I think that it opened up the box, Pandora's box, and in a way that said, oh, okay, now what about this population? What about that population? And are we kind of thinking about you know, health equity for those different communities. And I think one of the areas that popped out for me as a pediatrician, obviously, was child health, right? And, you know, 
when we think about the overall statistics and we say, you know, something along the lines of 25% of kids in the United States live in poverty, we know that, you know, minority, you know, there are many common diseases, asthma, obesity, allergies, accidents, all those sort of things, suicide, almost all of them disproportionately are at much higher prevalence for, you know, low-income, minority, and new immigrant communities. And what's really interesting and different about this is that these kids are digital natives. There's almost an expectation that things are going to work like TikTok or Discord or otherwise. And also, their parents are also digital natives. We're talking about millennials, largely, probably late Gen X or a lot of millennials. And so they also have that expectation about the way that care is navigated. So that's kind of that baseline in their way of life. And so are we, being, are, are we able to deliver those kind of tools to these folks? The, the core problems haven't changed. When we talk about poverty, we talk about social determinants of health, we talk about low English proficiency, all those sort of areas. But now it's taken a whole new kind of twist because now technology is part of this part of this mix. And so is it wonderful that you know when you have a school-aged child who can help their parents navigate the healthcare system because they know how to use the patient portal and their parent better than their parents? Yes. But what kind of new problems does that create when you talk about privacy and we talk about digital footprints and all those things that will stay with them the rest of their lives. So I think that there, again, it goes back to that double-edged sword where in this now more technology-enriched modern-day life, a whole set of opportunities are created in order to narrow gaps in um, inequity. But it also there's also a lot of things we need to think carefully about in terms of making things worse. How will people track this? I know that you guys are just starting this journey, but if somebody wants to check in on their progress, like where would they go or how would they get involved in that conversation? Well, they can certainly reach out to, as I said, to any one of us. We, we are absolutely looking to grow this coalition. We really, really must have um, everybody represented at the table because first of all, technology is so broad and deep, but think of all the populations too that we need to cover. So an initiative that has a central location where somebody could find information or would they need to know who is involved in the coalition and reach out to them? I- individually. Yeah, I see what that, you're saying. They, yeah. uh, yes, they can reach out to me. Okay. Yes, Dana Guinan at mm-hmm. the Health Foundation, and it's it's easy to find me. Yeah. Yes. And when I think you said earlier that what a lot of what health is doing is looking at what is ahead in the next decade. Can you share what your hope is? My hope is that within the next five years, there is an organization in existence that is a voluntary industry-led organization available to guide every type of healthcare organization in the way that they think about developing their technologies and rolling them out. And not only that, I just want to speak to the the access piece of it too, because you can have the best technology available. You could have thought of all those things, but if you are not somehow making it available to the right people, whether it's through, it's free, or we can talk about Medicaid populations, for example. I think it's 87 million people in this country. Medicaid covers the most people of any payer in this nation. But when you look at the numbers, the access to technology, the quality of care is very different from commercial pay. So we need to make sure that the technology is also made available. I've been enjoying this question, and I know that there are big problems to solve, and I'm glad to hear that y'all are working on them, but I want to ask, and what gives you hope? And I'll start with you, Alexis. I think that I, well, I guess one thing that comes to mind for me is the potential for so much good. There's so much positive intent, and there's so much really wonderful, innovative, creative thinking and solutions that are out there, right? And 
What gives me hope is the idea that our work is going to be able to help bring those innovations, bring you know solutions to the people who need it the most. And I think that that yeah that pata- that power for good and that connection to fill those gaps is I'm really excited and hopeful, and I want to help us get there. What about you, Ricky? Uh, well, everything Alexis just said. We're talking about some really difficult things, and we're talking about you know a lot of different entities with a lot of very different incentive structures, but trying to think about how do we look at past precedents of helping different organizations do what may not always be obvious to them or their highest priority. We think about, you know, the quality movement within healthcare. We think about, you know, diversity on boards. We think about patient safety. There's all many, a lot of things out there that I think that careful thinking with, for the right reasons, help then drive a change in the way that things are done. So whether it be the way that technology is developed, the way that it's implemented and delivered within for a particular patient or individual, I think there's a tremendous opportunity to kind of move the needle such that equity now becomes an expectation. Um, in the when we're designing products, when we're going doing business, we're thinking about all the ways that can be used, not just did we get that MVP out for what's common, right? If we're only going after what's common, which is often how technology starts out, we're going to miss the mark, I think. Are we thinking about a process by which we're including some of the populations or many of the populations that need it the most as a requirement even to get out the door? And if we can get there, I think that we'll have made made some change. Well, I want to thank you guys for the work that you're doing. And it is very important. Is there anything you'd like to add, Jenna? I wasn't sure, just because you were giving me... Yes, I think what gives me hope, I will say that I do have something to add. Healthcare has solved difficult problems before. And one of them that Ricky already mentioned, not that there's never a problem with quality, but we do have safety, quality and safety built into every healthcare organization. There's a model for this. And that's exciting. We have the tools. Technology is amazing. It can, we have the tools to do the job. And now, in addition, we have real industry interest. There are other organizations doing this kind of work. The American Medical Association has their Infill Health Collaboration, working closely with them, hope to keep partnering with them. Look at organizations like Rock Health that has now started looking at and analyzing the way the innovation is getting done, who's getting funded, all of that. Actually, we just spoke to you yesterday about Aperture. So, you know, that's a new beta, um, in beta form, uh, I should say. Yeah, I guess it's in beta, I don't know, program that the Health Foundation is launched with Scale Health and Health Tech for Medicaid. And that is specifically a platform for underlooked founders who are also focused on health equity to connect with the innovation ecosystem. So I think there are a lot of things to be hopeful about. It's a huge problem. We can do it. I love that we have the tools, but we are also having the intention. And intention is very important. So if folks want to follow the journey or get in touch with you, I'm going to ask you, uh, where would you direct them? I'll start with you, Ricky. I think uh, the health.org website would probably be the best place to start. And then we can figure out how to tie people who have interests with the right folks to take the next steps. Okay. Are you open to people connecting with you on LinkedIn? Anybody? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure getting to know about the work that you're doing and thank you for doing it. Thanks so much, so Joy. Much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. 
I am truly grateful for you and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.